Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This morning we're going to be talking about coming out. Everybody say coming out. Yeah. All right. You know, coming out can be an anxious time in a person's life. It can really be anxiety producing. Fear of what others may think. The uncertainty of uh, how people knowing about you, how it, it will affect their friendship, their relationship. You know, how are they going to treat me? Will I lose friends? Uh, you know, will the new friends I make really accept me? Are they going to uh, be people who support me in my decisions? You know, will I be left out? Will I be without a support group? Will I be without someone to encourage me to depend on? You know, questions, questions, questions. A lot of people have a lot of questions about uh, coming out, and yet some people don't even seem worried about it. Some people just come right out. They have bigger-than-life personalities. They aren't visibly bothered by what other people think about them. They make friends everywhere they go. Uh, they get excited about the thought of making a big splash, you know. Uh, they just can't wait to tell everybody. Well, this was the case of a very important man who lived in Jericho in the days of Jesus. This man, you may know him and may have heard about him. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was involved and very entrenched uh, in, in, in a small yet very powerful group of people in Jericho. He was a part of a small community, if you will, of outcast people. They were publicans. They were tax collectors. They were considered to be people who were committing treasonary acts, even against their religious order, because they were Jews hired by the Romans to find and tax the income of other Jews. You know, when the Romans went somewhere, the local public officials they would hire would be local people. If they sent someone from Rome, you know, uh, to assess your assets and tax your assets and tax your harvest, you could probably hide some of it from somebody from Rome. You know, it's almost like if they sent someone from D.C. down to look in your barns, you might have, you know, a place you could hide something or whatever. But, but you know, if you get one of these good old local boys that was raised with you, that has been to your house and that's, you know, that's had dinner with you and grew up with you and everything, most likely they know where you hide your corn. Most likely they know how many acres you have and how many mules you have. And most likely you can't lie to them. And their salary is based on how much they get from you. And so these tax collectors were a fairly closed community. But they were very unliked 
and such uh, was the case with this man named Zacchaeus. He, as I said, was a part of this very small, very powerful, but very outcast group in his community in Jericho. And according to Jesus even, these publicans, these tax collectors, they were sinners. In fact, the Bible calls Zacchaeus, in one translation, a notorious sinner. What does that mean? That means he wasn't just a sinner. He wasn't just a tax collector. He wasn't just a guy who came in and, 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 and robbed from you and, and was a cheat and was a thief and was a liar and got your stuff for his own good. He was notorious. He was really good at it or really bad, uh, whichever side of that tax situation you were on. He was a notorious sinner. Well, uh, he was very well known for being a liar, for being a cheat. He was very well known for being a thief. And the problem is, is that he had a license from the Roman government to take your stuff, to shut you down. Whether you were a business person you were an orphan, a widow, uh, a fisherman. If you were young, if you were old, if you were rich, if you were poor, publican tax collectors robbed and extorted them all. Well, people in town tolerated Zacchaeus. They didn't respect him. They didn't like him. They didn't appreciate him. They didn't trust him. They tolerated him at best, and many of them probably hated him because by his own confession, he had robbed from people. He had extorted. He had gotten more from people than what they should have had to pay. You know how upset it would make you if a tax collector came to your house, and not only did he collect the taxes, not only did they collect the taxes that were reasonably due, they went ahead and took 30% more because you knew they were putting it in their pocket. That's how people felt about Zacchaeus. They only knew him for what he had done. No one knew him for what he could yet do. Oh, Sometimes people know us for only what we have done. You know, I was back in my hometown on Friday where I was raised in this small rural community and you know uh, some folks in that community are watching right now and they would be the first to say yes that no one expected me to turn out to be a preacher you know uh, in fact I was talking with someone about uh, doing a little work for me I needed a little electrical work done and 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 uh, they uh, they kind of uh, you know kind of looked at me when I told them what my name was I, I know what it was they know all my relatives there we went to a place to eat, and, and there was a man. I thought I recognized him, but, I, but it ends up I didn't know him, but I thought I recognized him, but I, he just looked like a preacher. And so he got up in a little bit, and he walked over to the table where we were eating. There was, I don't know, uh, seven or eight of us probably, something like that. And, uh, um, and so we were um, maybe six of us. I don't remember exactly, but uh, he, he walked over, and he said, So, y'all are from James Bowie. That's the school in that area, and there are a lot of rivals, and we happen to be in a neighboring town. And my brother-in-law spoke up and said, yeah. Uh, and, he's, uh, and he proceeded, you know, to talk. And I said, you know, you look familiar. What do you do? He said, I don't do anything. 
And I looked at him, you know, and just waited on him because he, he was quite a character, a really good-looking man. He said, well, I used to be a pastor. I was a pastor. I said, well, where did you pastor? He said, I pastored in Sims, Texas, the community I'm from. I pastored the Church of God there. Well, my uncle pastored the Church of God there all my growing up. That's where I learned how to play a guitar, 14 years old. And I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, uh, I, I stopped being the pastor there in 1950. He said, I'm 92 years old. I said, well, I stuck out my hand. I want to get a hold of his hand before I told him my name. <laughs> stuck out my hand and I said, my name is Ronnie Hammonds. And he went, <laughs> you know, looked at me and he went, you're not related to the preacher, are you? I said, yeah, he was my uncle. In fact, I'm sorry, but all those people are my relatives. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes people know you or know about you or know you because of what you did and the way you always have been. You know, some of the people in my community <laughs> and some of the people in yours, you know, uh, you coming out was a surprise to them. You coming out like Zacchaeus did, coming out for Jesus. You see, because something happened in the life of Zacchaeus, no one expected him to do what he did. No one expected him to change. Like the apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus, no one knew how close the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was. No one knew how close he was to being saved, to changing his life. What they knew is that he had persecuted the church. And later on, whenever God tried to get Ananias in Damascus, a believer in Jesus Christ, to go and pray for, 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 for Saul of Tarsus, he said, listen, we know this man. He was a persecutor. He's persecuting the church. He wants to destroy the church. You see, all they knew about him was what he had done. All they knew about him is what they had experienced. All they knew about him is what he used to be or what, what, what he had presented. They didn't realize the capability that was within him when Jesus became the Lord and Savior of his life. That's the way it was with Zacchaeus. I, I suppose, suppose the more public a person lives their life, the more public a person lives their life, the more public the coming out should be. You know, uh, at any rate, the account of Zacchaeus is a well-known event that changed a lot of lives that day in Jericho and changed a lot of lives in the surrounding community. Uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 19 and we'll read a little bit about it and refresh our recollection about what happened that day. Now, remember, this is the last two weeks of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. Jesus is on his way to the cross. It's the last time he's going to be going anywhere with his disciples. He is just, uh, just uh, you know, leaving the Galilee, and he's walking down uh, the, 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 the side of the Jordan River. He gets to Jericho. It's just one more little journey up a hill, about 15 to 18 miles, that he's going to go up to Jerusalem from Jericho. And in Jerusalem, in a week, he's going to be crucified. And so Jesus is entering into Jericho. 
He's been healing people along the way and teaching people. There's a whole crowd of people that are on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. So as they are walking down the Jordan River and cross across from the eastern bank to the western bank, and they're walking into the streets uh, through the streets of Jericho, that's where they're going to spend the night, and they're going to rest there maybe even a day or two before they make that long walk going from about 1,200 feet below sea level to about you know, more than a couple of thousand above sea level. That's, that's, that's a long walk. Some of you here in about three weeks or so, you'll be going with me. We'll be going, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show you that very way that he walked. We'll be going to Jericho together. And we'll be uh, you know, visiting uh, Mount Calvary uh, and uh, you know, uh, Golgotha. Um, Jesus, on his way to the cross, he's going to stop in Jericho. With purpose. As he's walking through the streets of Jericho, let's read it from Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Reckon where he got that money. And he wanted, he sought to see who Jesus was. You know, he was a rich and important man in the community. He wanted to see who Jesus was because a lot of people are crowding around him and following him, and he's, he's, he's you know, pretty important. But Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Wow. Jesus just invited himself to, Zacchaeus, to, to, to a sinner's house. Do you know he's doing that every day? Do you know today? He's inviting himself into your heart, into your life, into your home, into your family, into your community, your nation, into your generation. He is not a bit embarrassed about saying, come on, I want to go to your house. He's not a bit embarrassed about saying, I want in your life. He is not intimidated. Jesus is not intimidated by sinners or by rich people. Pretty good deal, huh? Do you know Jesus happens to love sinners? He likes to hang around them. In fact, he had already been accused of just hanging around sinners. He's going to be accused of it one more time here. So, verse 6, Zacchaeus hurried up. He made haste. He came down and he received Jesus joyfully. He was happy. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you be happy? This rich chief tax collector has got an important man. A whole crowd is following him. People believe he is Messiah. They believe he is somebody. I mean, he has healed the sick. He's cleansed the leper. He's raised the dead. He's cast out devils. And he wants to come to my house? Woo, good day. I am just getting now, you know, uh, you know people are going to see, you know, that, that he thinks I'm somebody. You're coming to my house. Verse 7. But when they, all the crowd, the other people, those who knew Zacchaeus and those who knew who he was, knew him and knew about him, when they saw it, they all complained. Oh, come on. Okay. In my mind, 
I just drop-kicked complainers out of the church who complain about sinners showing up. Just in my mind, I just did that. I don't, I don't know. I'm letting you be privy to what goes on in my mind. What goes on in yours while I'm preaching? Hmm? How about you? You know? Complain. Who can complain about somebody that needs Jesus getting a little Jesus time? Getting a little time with him. Who can complain? Well, you don't know what they did. You don't know who they are. You don't know how they cheated me. You don't know how they lied to me. You don't know what they did to me. You know what they did to my friend. I'm not going to church with them. Oh, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking about some people that aren't watching. <laughs> they're not like me. Oh, they're sinners. Do you know what they do? Zach, I'd have never let you in church. You've just... <laughs> he wasn't just lying. He's come to church and lying to me. But Jesus knew what he could do. Filled with the presence of God. I could, boy, I could just go around the room and keep naming people. Of which, as the Apostle Paul said, I would be the chief. I would be the chief sinner. Thanks be unto God, he sees us different. But like much of the world, when Jesus decided he would go to the house of Zacchaeus, when the crowd saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, Here's what we know. We know that a large crowd was following Jesus. We know that Zacchaeus was a sinner. We know that Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to be saved. We know that Jesus invited himself to go to Zacchaeus' house. We know that Zacchaeus joyfully said, okay, probably not expecting what happened. What we don't know is we do not know what happened at lunch that day. We don't know what the conversation was. We don't know how Jesus talked to him. We don't know what was said. We don't know what the disciples did. We can imagine that all of a sudden, bringing probably about 50 people in his entourage with him, at least the 12 and those that were with them, to the house because they were going to be lodging and, and, and going. Most likely, Zacchaeus, a rich man, had servants, and they got pretty busy. They probably had to get some water and get some pitchers full of water and, and basins and wash feet and wash hands and, and, and you know, fresh up. They probably had to start making beds. They most likely had to set out some tea or some, you know, uh, uh, something to drink, uh, you know, some fruit juice and get some of the dates that they grow in Jericho. We'll get some of those dates and, and you know, and, and, you know uh, begin to, you know, kill a sheep or a goat and make something to eat and make some bread. And most likely they got all busy. While all that busy was going on, Jesus was probably just being Jesus right there in the middle of the house. Letting them soak in a little bit of the love. No condemnation, no criticism, no rejection, no complaint, no judgmentalism. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to love the world. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And there in the house of Zacchaeus, something happened. 
Something happened to Zacchaeus. And the love of Jesus, which perhaps Zacchaeus had never seen, never known, never expected. The love that came from the righteous son of God falling upon Zacchaeus changed his life. There, not only did he receive a new life, but it changed his nature. And we see Zacchaeus, you know, uh, out of what was a sinful, selfish way of life, out of, out of a thief, out of a notorious sinner, out of someone who cared for himself more than he cared for others, out of someone who was living a lifestyle that was contrary to the word, the will, the way of God, out of Zacchaeus came a witness to the love and the care that Jesus had for others who were hurting. You see, the world saw him for who he had been. Jesus saw him for who he would be. How do we see people? Verse 8, after whatever happened, happened. Then Jesus stood, or Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold, four times as much, 400% interest on what I have wrongfully taken from these people. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not to condemn, not to criticize, not to judge, but to seek and to save. That's what Jesus is all about. He's all about seeking and saving the lost. He's all about what you can do, what you can be, what, what, what's in you that you might not even know. He wants to bring life to a new life, to a new creation in your life. Jesus loves you. 25 years later, the Apostle Paul wrote his second letter to the church at Corinth. He encouraged them to come out like Zacchaeus did. Corinth was a modern sinful city. It was filled with all the vices known to mankind. People belonged to clubs and guilds and groups and they provided them with a sense of personal identity, with physical safety and with financial security. Status was everything in Corinth. When a person got saved in Corinth, it was very easy just to keep doing the same thing. So the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to them. When people get saved in the United States of America, it is very easy for them to get saved and just keep doing the same thing. Zacchaeus, he could have invited Jesus into his house. He could have soaked on the love and he could have believed that he was the son of God, Messiah of the Jews, Savior of the world, and never changed what he did. Some people imagine that a change on inside is enough. A change on the inside instead of a change on the outside. But that wasn't enough for Zacchaeus. It's not enough for Jesus. It wasn't enough for Corinth. And it's not enough for us. 
When a person got saved in Corinth, as I said, it was very easy for them to just keep doing the same thing. Running with the same crowd, laughing at the same jokes, looking the other way to avoid conflict and to avoid questionable practices. So much sin in Corinth, and most of it was public sin. As I said, Zacchaeus was a public figure. Some of you are very well known by people around you in your community and within your family. Changing your sinful ways is not easy. Sin is everywhere. But Paul taught that sinners should be led to Christ. Christians should not be led to sin. What are we talking about this morning? Remember, we're talking about coming out. We're talking about coming out. Paul wrote a very simple set of instructions for people in the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, the Holy Spirit is not saying don't be around sinners. Don't read that like that. That's not true. The Holy Spirit is saying that we should not continue to promote or to support sinful practices as though we had not been changed, as though we were still living in agreement with the sinful practices of our past life. Verse 15, what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Many people relegate this passage to marriage. Don't marry an unbeliever. And while God is, is certainly that is included, that you don't want the trouble that comes with it, it never means that God's going to hate you, that he's not going to help you. He's going to distance himself from you because you do something that he has encouraged you not to. It means, if anything, that he will get more involved in what you're doing. For where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. God gets closer to people who have need, not farther from them. He would have never come to planet earth had he wanted to avoid trouble. But darkness covered the face of the deep when the Spirit of God came down. Darkness was in my life when the Spirit of God came down and spent time with me. It was in the house of Zacchaeus, lying and cheating and stealing when Jesus went there and spent time with him. It was at Corinth when God sent the Apostle Paul to spend time there and to reach out to people who had need. God never intends for us to isolate ourselves from sinners or to, to be um, afraid of sinners. That's not the truth. The love that is unknown by man may not be known until we show it, that love which comes from Jesus Christ. We are admonished not willfully join in concert with sinners. We are encouraged that. But where sin does abound, grace does much more abound, Romans 5.20 says. But what God does expect us to do is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. You can read it as we continue in 2 Corinthians 6 in verse 17. For this reason, he says, therefore, come out. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Come out. What does that mean? That means do what Zacchaeus did. There's a change in your life. Act like it. Come out. Stop living as though that you have not been born again. Stop living as though that, that, that you are still the person that you used to be before you met Jesus Christ. 
come out. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are a few simple things that you can do to begin to let other people know. Because whether you realize it or not, you are an important figure, an important person to someone else. And what you do makes a difference. If you have been born again, if you have accepted the truth that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, Savior of the world, Messiah, the Word made flesh, God incarnate. If you have submitted your life to Him and committed your life to Him, it is time to come out. If you have not been saved, ask Him into your heart. He is wanting to go to your house today. He is wanting to come into your life today. He is wanting to save your soul today. He'll do it right now. He'll do it right now. Even before uh, my prayer, he will, he will come into your life if you'll just invite him in. He will save your soul. He is that good. He's that wonderful. He's that awesome. Knowing about him for Zacchaeus was not enough. Salvation needed to come to his house. Knowing about him is not enough. You need to know him. And you can know him personally by inviting him to go home with you. You don't have to have been a bad person to need to be saved. You don't have to have been a sinner, a liar, a cheat. You don't have to have, have, have been a bad person to get saved. You could have been the best person. You could be raised in the best house. You could be raised by Christian parents. You could be raised in church. You could be raised and never consciously doing anything that you did not believe was right. And yet you still need to ask Jesus into your heart. Because it is not the sin that you do that separates you from God. So much as the sinner you are. You were born into sin. You need to. As Jesus told Nicodemus, you must to be born again. Being born again is an act of your faith, a willful act of inviting Jesus, Son of God, into your heart. For if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth to save your soul, and God will help you to believe that, he's dropped enough faith in your heart, in your life, for you to consciously realize, I believe that. It's like loving someone. You can't take it out and handle it, and you may not can prove it you know uh, you you can act like you love people you don't love but you know in your heart whether you do love them or not it's there you know in your heart whether or not you believe in Jesus Christ you know in your heart whether or not you believe that the love of God is offered to you and I know you believe that's what Paul said to Festus I know you believe acknowledge that Accept it. Invite him in. If you will do that, then you still need to change. Just like Zacchaeus. Just like those at Corinth. You need to stop living in agreement with sin. You need to draw a line in your life. And even though you may still be connected to people, you don't have to act like your old man anymore. God gives you the grace and the help and the power. But it's your choice. Come out, he said, and be separate. Be different. If you have been born again, let me just quickly tell you a simple thing that you can do, okay, to begin living the change. We'll make it very easy. 
Okay? Here's how you begin living to change. If, if, if you were like me, you've been involved in some groups that are rather, uh, you know, not real spiritually healthy. Okay? Number one, gracefully excuse yourself from coarse conversation or ugly jokes whenever possible. These are just practical things. How do I come out and, and be separate? You don't need to condemn. You don't need to criticize. You don't need to judge. You don't need to be ugly. Uh, but, but listen, you can just simply say if you're asked, I'm, not, uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the, that coarse conversation, with the, with the jokes, with all the talk about what you did this weekend and, and, and who you did it with. Hello? Do you know how many, I won't say complaints, it's not correct, but do you know how many people share with me that during their week they have to endure conversations at work that are absolutely ungodly and press on the spirit and push them down to the point to where they feel like they are being smothered in sin? Just simply excuse yourself from those conversations. You don't have to judge people. You don't have to be ugly to people. Uh, you, you know, but you do need to maintain your peace of mind. And you do need to maintain a standard. And if you will, someone will ask you why you did. And whenever you speak up in, in, in a nice way, it will give them confidence to do the same. And you could change your whole workplace. You could change your, your, your whole group of friends just by simply excusing yourself from those moments whenever possible. It's like getting out of a swimming pool because you've had enough. Other people might not have had enough yet, but you get enough, you get out. You don't have to say all of you are stupid. You can just say, you can just say no thanks, I think I'm shriveling up, I'm getting out. You know, I just am uncomfortable. I don't, I don't uh, you know, thank you anyway, but it's just uncomfortable for me, Okay. Okay. Number two, uh, pray and thank God in public places without making a scene. <laughs> you don't have to go, oh, God, okay? <laughs> but acknowledge God in public places by simply, I mean, you're out to eat today, okay? Just simply bow, don't, don't, don't make a scene, but simply bow your head and thank Jesus for your food in a public place. You know, and when someone asks you to pray for them, just, just say okay and just quietly take their hand. Don't be too loud. Don't shout. You know, one time a lady asked Brenda to pray for her and Brenda put her hand on her and started praying for her. The woman took Brenda's hand off and she looked at her and she said, hey, I'm not deaf. She said, what she said? She said, she said I'm sick. I'm not, I'm not deaf. I'm sick. Brenda was getting rather loud. <laughs> Their prayer. I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't think that was funny. I thought that was funny. I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> she almost hit Brenda with her cane. This is one of the best examples to our community. You know, we have a community that loves Jesus. We, we, we are blessed. Here in Southeast Texas, we have a Jesus-loving, you know, a church-going community. We are so blessed with church here. Maybe you're not in your, in, in your community, wherever you may live. But, but if you'll just get a habit of, of just bowing your head and, and acknowledging and praying God and thanking Jesus, thanking God when you're in public places, thank him for something simple. You know, uh, without making a scene, okay? Not pious, not religious, not self-righteous. Just simply acknowledging Jesus in the public square. At school. You know, at work. 
It makes a difference. Number three, the third thing, and I close with this, is Psalms 141.3. The Bible says, set a guard, set a watchman, Lord. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What does that mean? That means that, you know, if you want to come out from among them and be separate, you're going to need to change what you're saying. Watch what you're saying. Watch your words. What you say makes a difference. It makes a difference to your family. It makes a difference to your community. You know, be an encouragement, not a discouragement. But set a watchman upon your mouth. And guard the door of your lips. What you say makes a difference. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. I believe that. God bless you. For those of you on campus, for those of you online, you know, God has a plan for your life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, invite him into your heart. If you do know him, then come out. Come out for Jesus. Come out like Zacchaeus did. Come out like those in Corinth. And just be kind. Be loving. Be caring. Somebody's watching. And somebody needs Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.